let's get a couple of things out of the way right off the top. Welcome into the Plank Show. Josh, I am terrible with the levels on this uh, equipment when I just use a headset. So am I too hot? Am I popping? Don't mind me just popping. We good? I think you're good. It, it sounds okay. Beautiful. It's a good start to the show. I'm going to owe you today. Uh, KJ Kindler is going to join us like she typically does, but it'll be later in the program. She's got a few responsibilities. Uh, and, and it's going to be a big Cruton show today, peeps. Big Cruton show today on the Plank Show. But let's um, let's just get a couple of things out of the way here real quick because uh, I am over the moon excited that you are back, Josh. But can you confirm and or deny that the reason for your ap- absence had anything to do with the relationship that you have with at Chiefsaholic on Twitter? No, yeah, it had nothing to do with that. I was not out robbing banks. <laughs> Creating, generally creating mischief. It was a very, well, compared to Chiefsaholic, it was a pretty boring trip. How about that story? Welcome back, dude. How was it? How was Kansas? Wait, Kansas and a little Kansas City and a little bit of everything, right? Yeah, a little Missouri, a little, little Kansas. It was great. It, it was nice, nice to, to get away and recalibrate a little bit. I didn't write over the, the last couple of days, which is, uh, it's, you It's know, unique for you. Yes. So it, it was good. I feel refreshed. It was it was nice. How were things here? I caught a little bit of the Friday show, but uh, what what did I miss? Everything good? It was re- we had a listen. The show, and I don't say this to, and I think Pierce and Connor would agree. The show's definitely different when you're not here, right? You're you're the star of this very radio program, and without you, it's not the same. I would say that Pierce knocked it out of the park. It was Pierce's. Uh, Pierce is like a headliner that rolls through town uh, like uh, once a month and does two shows and then he's out, right? Like a comedian. It's like, right. Dave Chappelle's coming to town. He's doing two shows. Look out. Uh, and then he just draw, and then he just basically just bolts and you never hear from him again. And, and Connor and I, we had something break during the day on Thursday when Connor was in. I can't remember what it was, but Connor crushed it too. So it was, it was, it was fun. I'm usually – a little bit nervous when you're out because we have our rhythm and our flow, and we've done this now for, you know, six, seven years, whatever it is, seven years now, and uh, so it's different. But it was it was fun. Pierce is good, man. He's he's going to be able to do whatever he wants. Connor's good. They're going to be able to do whatever they want. I'm I'm sure Brian and Casey are they're pinning a plan right now to to boot me out and put those dudes in there. They're money. Well, so. or yours truly. You're always nah. I, I laugh because that's the and Teddy Lehman's got several staple takes, but one of them is hey, you might not want to vacation too long because <laughs> <laughs> you know, people figure out it's like ah oh, well we're gonna be all right. We're gonna be all right when they vacation. How much do we pay that guy and? <laughs> What can we do with him? No, I'm really glad you're back. And it's kind of weird because the way the holiday schedule breaks with Christmas on a Sunday, uh, most businesses are taking Monday and some even giving their employees Friday. We are just doing Friday and then we're back on Monday. So I still have to figure this out because I was going to take Thursday and Friday off. And so when I submitted those vacation days – then suddenly Friday became an everybody day. So I got to fit in another day here before the end of the year. I might take next Tuesday off or something. Take like a random Wednesday off. I don't know. Yeah. Who kn- I might end up getting a day off for travel. I don't know. Who knows? I, I don't even know when we're leaving yet. So 
Uh, as soon as we find that out, maybe that ends up being an off day. But I'm really glad you're back. Did you guys have a good time? Did you and your girl have a good time? We we had a great time. Yeah, it was it was good. Uh, got a little Kansas City barbecue, which was nice. Uh, I did some things that I hadn't really done before in Kansas City, right? Oh. I mean, typically for me, look, I'm going to Kansas City for a Chiefs game or a Royals game, right? That's what the trip's about. That was not what this trip was about. So we went to Union Station and did some Christmassy type stuff. And cool. We, there was a Mayan exhibit that was really, really cool in Union Station that we uh, we went to, which, again, in, in the pantheon of out-of-my-comfort-zone activities, <laughs> that would qualify as one of them. But it was fun. We had a good time. A Mayan exhibit. I, I, I Listen, we got a lot of crouton to get to, but at some point today I might need a little bit more context and understanding to that. Like, is it, 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 it do Mayans go hand in hand with like Christmas, or was it just something completely unique? Totally in a way? different. Okay, all right. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, so, welcome in. Welcome back, Josh Helmer. It'll be fun to hang for a couple of days before uh, my vacation plans. And uh, tomorrow is signing day, and I'm a. Uh, last year there was a lot of intrigue. TJ and I were talking. Signing day used to be so different, right? And I, and I just let me get my nostalgia out of the way here quickly, and then we'll move on. Signing day used to be so different, and it used to be so unique. TJ likes to tell the story about, you know, signing day was all all day we were at, like, Balfour, and there would be this big board that was up. And whomever was on at that time, if it, I don't know if it would be, like, Rusty or, or, or James or whoever, and – Literally, the way that you would know a guy had signed is they would come out and they would, if it was TJ or whomever, they would put that name on the board and you're like, oh, Nick Harris signed. We're good to go, right? I mean, it's just, it, it's so different now. And, and I don't, listen, it's probably all a lot of technology, Josh. But now, you know, literally, I mean, BV's doing his press conference tomorrow at like noon. And most everything is pretty much in the bag. I mean, I... Yeah, we were talking about this the other day. I was trying to think of, like, the latest we waited for a signee over the last couple of years and what, maybe like a Jeremiah Cradell? A couple years ago, Caleb Kelly was a guy where, you know, Bob still had his signing day press conference and then Caleb was added to the class a little bit later on. I mean, for the most part, everything is pretty wrapped up with your class by, like, noon anymore. But... I'm not trying to build the drama. I'm not trying to go weatherman with the winter storm or anything of that nature that's coming in this week. Do you get the sense that there's a little bit more intrigue on this signing day than we've had in quite a while? There's definitely some storylines here with with the Bowen flip situation with all the smoke there. Uh, the Tassilia Kana recruitment feels like it's coming down to the wire. I, I guess uh, – Micah T's right. We feel like now is going the A and M direction mm-hmm. and not Oklahoma. But uh, maybe there's a surprise or two that's not one of those couple of names. Is there a name that I'm leaving out there? I mean, those two, right? Bowen, Akana, that really Bowen alone, right? Not to take anything away from a blue chipper into Silly Akana, but just the recruitment of Bowen has taken on a life of its own, right? Yeah. It's, as this thing has gone along, the flip nature to it and the reaction on the Notre Dame boards at different times. It's been crazy. And that one, again, just kind of on its own, on its own merit, 
would uh, would be exciting going into tomorrow just to see if it's actually going to happen the way that everybody around here sort of thinks it's going to sure. happen for Peyton Bowen. But, no, it's there's some definite intrigue with early signing period tomorrow, no doubt. So I've got a few names that I haven't heard talked about very much that I want to throw into the mix at the bottom of this hour. Um, I've got a couple of guys that I feel like have been lost in this conversation because of, I, I, I don't know, maybe we've just been so dead set that they're good to go, that are good to go, but I think could end up being gems of this signing class. And then just try to kind of put a little, I, I don't know, maybe a little wrap on what tomorrow might look like for Oklahoma and what the day is going to look like, right? Because, you know, I, I, it was funny. I brought this up yesterday. And because Bob Prisbilla tweeted, I said, you know, with, with December 21st being signing day, you know, a lot of schools might not have signing ceremonies because they're out for the winter break. And I had thought about that, and I just got destroyed. My kid doesn't get out of school till the 20th. What are you talking about? So I kind of wanted to retweet, and I was like, thanks, Bob. But, like, no one was, was lighting him up on Twitter, so I guess it's just a me thing. Maybe there's a sympathetic ear for Bob. But in all seriousness, I don't think – that we have a ton of ceremonies. I think a lot of these dudes are kind of handling their, their own, way, own way. And I and I guess I have a question. I have a philosophical question, Josh Helmer. I have had to accept, now that I am 47, that I'm never going to be in a situation where any of my kiddos are going to be recruited athletically. Now, there's a little hope for Gwen, right? We tried soccer. That wasn't going to happen. She's shown a little interest in, in, in softball, maybe, and she wants to golf. So there's still a little bit of hope, right? But I'm never going to be in a situation where my son or daughter is going to go through a, an athletic recruitment process. I did, though, go through a situation where my oldest son was pursued by a couple of different schools. So, and and I know – here's – what's up, Joel Manning? Speaking of a man who's fired up for signing day, where to OU today, by the way. Uh, we got our, our Brent Venables Bowl preview show that we're taping at noon. <laughs> but my point in bringing that up, Josh, there's some things I'm hearing about a couple of guys in this class. Not, and, and this is vague. It's vague. I'm being very generic here. I would like to believe as a parent that I wouldn't try to tell my kid where he needs to go for financial purposes. I would like to think that um, as a dad – I, I, I would as a dad or mom or a, an uncle or a kin or whatever, right? I just, I know it's a tale, it's a tale as old as time. Well, mom wants him to go here. She really likes him. And I'm not saying that you don't have to have your favorites. But I'm hearing with the amount of money that's being promised, and then I hope people are making sure that they do their research and this scrutiny process in the amount of money that's actually followed through on, Josh, I want to believe that I would do for my kid what I did for my son in a non-athletic situation. Let the kid make the decision. And I'm hearing way too much about handlers and and they're not necessarily agents, but you know, pushing guys in certain directions because mm -hmm. of what that might look like. Families kind of seeing dollars and cents. And I don't know. I just 
I can't fathom trying to steer your kid in a direction where it's all about what he's going to make in a very short term as opposed to what he wants to do. And I get it. All of us are money hungry. We all want cash. Do what you got to do. But doesn't that just, I don't know. You know, you're going to be dad someday. Could you imagine telling your kid, you're not going there. You're going to go here because you're getting six figures. You're doing this. I just, I can't even fathom that as no. a parent right now. No, can't can't either. And I just, for a lot of what we do on the, the radio side here, think about my own life in certain situations and also mindful of the reality plank that I'm not living in a lot of these same situations <laughs> as some of the players and coaches and, and such that we're talking about. But look, my parents would have never, never detracted me from attending the University of Kansas, even though my mom was an OU alum, right? And, and wanted me to go to the University of Oklahoma, right? But that was never something that was forced upon me or discussed or, you know, so on and so forth, right? And that, again, is not the same situation as a lot of these players that we're talking about here. But, right. I, yeah, I didn't come from that type of background to where it was, you're going to do this or you're going to do that. It was, hey, where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Mm. I just – if you're a parent, I think that, you know, hopefully you're in a situation where you realize that this is – NIL is a great opportunity to go to college and obviously make some money off your name, image, and likeness, and potentially for some guys make a lot of money, right? Maybe even make enough to where in some instances, instead of maybe turning pro after three years, it's fairly profitable for you to stick around. Um, but I don't – Again, this isn't just a guy that is trying to stump for Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or Tulsa here because they're not out there throwing around the bags like A&M and USC and Oregon allegedly is. And who knows how real any of that is. I guess my point more than anything else is think if this gets down to guys that really want to go and really get to choose where they want to go. If this gets down to dudes being allowed to make the decision they want to make. We're going to have a banner day tomorrow, boys. It's going to be a fun day in the Sooner Nation. And I would hope, I want to be this, make this very clear again, not one or two specific people that I'm talking about. There's a lot out there, a lot of people in that mix. Transfer Portal, too. And Transfer Portal I consider a little bit different because at least those guys and gals have something on tape. At least they've accomplished something in most instances. But I just think uh, I think I'm hearing way too many stories again about, well, you know, Dad really wants him to go where he's going to get the most money and uh, they're kind of adamant about it, so he might end up there. You know, Mom... Uh, moms seem to be the more logical ones in a lot of these. I don't know why. Are we just money-hungry dudes? Is that what we are? So, something to keep an eye on tomorrow. And and I always have a practice, too. And, Josh, I think you subscribe to this as well. Anytime you hear any report of, like, a dollar figure amount that someone's been offered, kind of divide that by two, maybe even by a quarter, and that's when you'll get the actual number. If it's even that number. Like, for instance, I don't think anybody's offering a safety $2 million in the portal. I think or, – or, or in recruiting. I think you could set up an idea where you're like, hey, you come to school here. Our collectives, collectives are doing this. 
will get you involved with this, and by the end of the day, you could make close to seven figures. I really, really think we're kind of losing our mind in trying to make out the amount of money out there to be more than it actually is. Miami's doing it, right? But they got a billionaire who's just basically saying, I'll pay you whatever it takes. A&M's even fallen off a little bit, right? Look at all those dudes that got bags. Where are they? They're in the portal right now. Fascinating. I'm so glad you're back, Josh. I'm so glad you're back. It's great to be back, man. I missed it. Missed um, you. When we come back, do you, do you want to talk about bank robbers or do you want to hold off until a little bit later on in the program? <laughs> you can talk about bank robbers whenever you want. I won't lie. I didn't know who this person was, but I was cracking up. I saw one of the uh, – I, I saw Dan Lindblad, who is – and I haven't been able to watch Tulsa News in a while. That is one of the reporters at Channel 2, and I, he had a very cryptic tweet – and I said, well, I need more information. And then I got to uh, I got to know the story of Chiefaholic. And apparently he's one of a couple guys that have been in trouble this week. So we'll get to that. Also, Monday Night Football, I thought it was, was okay last night. Right, Baker, I've got a weird Baker take that obviously I'm happy now that he wasn't playing the Raiders. And I'll throw it out coming up at 10 a.m. and see if you guys agree with it. Uh, as always, this show is about your reaction. 405-651-3439. That's the Air Comfort Solutions call in our Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. Riverwind Casino Jackpot Line, 405-329-9000. On Twitter at Josh on Ref. I'm at Plank Show. Everybody should follow us at KREF Sports. And we can even do it the old fashioned way. You can call us. 405-329-9000 on the Riverwind Casino Jackpot Line. It's Plank Show. Live from OU on the day before signing day right here on The Ref. <laughs> By the way, I saw this story. I think it's really cool. Um, Rudy Gobert gave the 450 Target Center workers um, a $50 gift card, which I think is pretty awesome, right? It's it's a $50 gift card to um, – well, I'm sorry. Hold on. It wasn't a gift card. They were greeted with a signed card and $50 from Rudy Gobert. Individually went out and thanked him. I thought that was pretty cool. Literally, what do you think some of the first comments were? Oh, he only gave him 50 <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> what a cheapskate. Oh, gosh. That's freaking hilarious, man. America. That's, that's what? Less than 1% of 1% of his yearly salary? What are we doing? Um, all right, I before I get to a couple of accrued notes right after the bottom of the hour. So nine thirty-five, I'll share a couple of credit, including, dude, what a fascinating story out of the Big Twelve slash USC last night. Did you did you happen to catch who's USC bound? Former Oklahoma State linebacker Mason Cobb. I, I was a little bit surprised by that, and you know what? I don't know what to make of USC being so involved with some of the OSU transfers, right? I, Lincoln Riley and Brian Odom and Alex Grinch saw him firsthand for the last couple of years. Roy Manning, whom I leaving out, Dennis Simmons out there. But, you know, M- Mason Cobb to USC, they're in the mix or at least were uh, talking with Trace Ford, a couple of other guys. I don't, I don't know how to feel about that, Josh. Should I feel away or just kind of – uh, I, I don't think Oklahoma was out there fighting to try to get Mason Cobb, but it just kind of threw me off a bit. 
Yeah, it's interesting, right? I mean, look, Mason Cobb and Trace Ford are good football players. So sure. Whether it is Oklahoma State or Washington State or anywhere, right, makes sense that you would want to bring on good football players out of the transfer portal. The fact that it's Lincoln Riley leading USC and it's Oklahoma State and there's the Oklahoma ties and he just coached at OU, yeah, that part makes it a little curious. So I'm with you. I don't know what to make of it. Though they did just win a nice little recruiting battle to bring Singer on board, which that's uh, in the pantheon of substantial losses for Oklahoma in the transfer portal. That might be one that we're revisiting to sure. not, not get the all-Pac-12 wide receiver. Yeah, and, you know, it's kind of funny. I was – I was I was interesting. Uh, I I thought it was interesting more than anything else. Whenever you you kind of step back and you consider Josh, where where I don't really know like the the best way to put this without trying to sound a little bit uh, too too overly negative. But I had been one that had, had cautioned everyone from freaking out over the receivers. Because Oklahoma had, what were we looking about, four or five portal receivers that uh, had at least made it be known that they had offers from OU. And, you know, I I think, again, I, I went back to what maybe it was, uh, what Josh McQuishan had said. He's like, hey, maybe they're, you know, he started realizing they're not getting these guys to sign. Well, for the, for the most part, not a lot of these dudes have signed anywhere. But... You know, seeing Dorian Singer last night decide that he's going to go to USC, so you kind of you cross one off that list. Now you kind of you kind of wait and you go, okay, well, you know, I don't I don't think Oklahoma was ever really in on the Braylon Presley situation, and you start looking around on some of those portal receivers, and they're slowly but surely starting to find homes, and Oklahoma is unfortunately. You know, not in a position where any of these dudes have inked on the dotted line with OU. So maybe this, you know, I don't know if they were, if if they are, um, or or were or should be in the mix for a, a Caden Prather or not. He's kind of been crystal ball to to uh, Maryland right now, and Penn State is in the mix. So I don't know if they were ever really and have been talking to him. You know, you have – I don't know why I'm blanking right now on the Kent State receiver. But, you know, you, you've had his name brought up. you got the guy out of Louisiana Tech. So, I'm, I'm not trying to panic yet or anything, but you're starting to see some of these dudes make decisions. And as it stands, you know, at 930 right now, unfortunately, you haven't seen anyone kind of commit towards Oklahoma. And I would add – you know, it's good to see Marvin Mims practicing, and we got the audio – uh, from last night's practice. It's good to see Mims practicing, and it's good to see him out there working towards the Cheez-It Bowl. But he also hasn't come out and basically said, oh, yeah, I'm for sure 100% coming back, right? It, he got his draft grade back. Uh, he talked about the coaches giving him space and, and having patience. But for the most part now, I y- you saw the yesterday, right, as we wrapped up the show, the uh, Miles Tease open back well I don't want to say open back up his recruitment but decommitted from Arkansas uh, but that's not even someone where you're like he decommitted from Arkansas and he's coming to Oklahoma now he took a trip to A&M and apparently you know it's a situation where maybe Oklahoma just got in a little bit too late on Micah T or Miles T's wait Miles Micah Miles T's 
and it looks like he's on his way to Texas A&M. So right now you look at that receiver position to where I'm saying patience, everybody. We're going to be good. It's going to be good uh, to where you kind of now step back like, all right, let's uh, – Let's get going. We need a little we need a little movement on this. We need to start seeing that room rebuild itself a little bit, right? We do. And some of the names, by the way, there's a lot of names that have entered the transfer portal over the last couple of weeks, but uh, Dante Cephas, Ra Ra Thomas, uh, Trey Harris, some of the the wide receiver names that we had seen yes, thank you. offer and be connected to. And still hopeful that a couple of those names wind up in Norman, at least one of them. Right, I know that we've we've got a decision for Mims that uh, is going to loom large over what Oklahoma's wide receiver group looks like entering next season, or at least what we we think about it. Right, if all of a sudden Marvin Mims isn't back and Oklahoma strikes out on every single one of these transfer portal wide receivers that we're talking about, right? I'm not saying hit the panic button, but I'm saying okay, it's reasonable to say what does Oklahoma have in its wide receiver group? Right, exactly. Um. So, yeah, it's a um, fascinating time, at least on that side of things, with the receiver position and kind of where Oklahoma is. And then, let, hey, Josh, we can drill a little deeper in it. Where are they going? Coach-wise, is this L.D. Washington's job? Is I mean, I, again, everything that I've heard is that Malcolm Kelly is not in the mix, but in the same vein – I, I keep just hearing little whispers every now and then from some people that would know to not count them out. So is is this a situation where maybe he's in the mix more than we're, we're thinking about? So there's a lot of questions about that wide receiver coach. And then in that, I think we've seen a lot of intrigue around that room, especially with some of the portal movement that hasn't involved Oklahoma so far. Um, oh, you know, this is good. This is good. I like this a lot. We were talking about parents off the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, Chapstick hit us up. He goes, I'm the father of a recruited kid. The parent's job is to advise and assist. It's the kid's job to make the decision. Oh, absolutely a bazillion percent. Could not agree more. Clayton Moore, by the way, who threw the uh, no-hitter. Nice player. I'm telling you what. uh, It's... It's it's wild to think that you know a parent and I'm and Chapstick obviously didn't do this, but that a parent would get into that mix and say, "Well, you're not going there." Yeah, no, no, that's not happening. Though someone who was it, I think it was was it five eight zero Nate, but some oh it was Oklahoma Jones. <laughs> Oklahoma Jones writes, "I actually think your parents not making you go to OU and letting you go to KU is bo- is borderline negligent." <laughs> Well, unless it's basketball, right? Then they actually have a point. There, right. are, there are definitely people that feel that way, yes, about yeah. the University of Kansas. Uh, Frisco Sooner with a good question on topic here. Do you guys think there's a possibility of OU picking up a receiver after the playoff is over? Maybe some players don't want to put their name in the portal until after the playoffs, and will they have enough time to enroll? Well, I've got you. There's actually a second portal period. So, you know, I yes, there's time – is there time after the playoffs? I think so. I, n- there's actually not. Yeah, right? no, I think there is. Okay. Um, so they would. But, I, I mean, I think most of these guys that are playing in the four-team playoff that are good players, I think they're probably going to the draft. Max Duggan, Quentin Johnston, 
I think those are dudes that are heading to the NFL as opposed to maybe looking to, to vault into the portal and see where else they can go. But I could be wrong. I mean, I think JoJo Earl's a hell of a get for TCU, and he vaulted in the portal from, you know, Bama. I mean, I know Bama's not in the playoffs, but, you, I mean, there's there's some good players that are out there. I don't know. I just, you know, maybe maybe it's something to where they have to kind of reach down a little bit and maybe dig a little bit deeper. Maybe one of these dudes is is committed and he just hasn't announced it yet. Right? I don't know. I don't know. January, but it's a fascinating world. January 18th would be right. the final day of okay. the first transfer portal window, and the national championship will take place on January 9th. So <sighs> there, there is that, you know, we can change right there. I don't have – of all my lists that I have here in my recruiting positions, I've got defensive line, I've got edge rushers, I've got linebackers. DB, I don't have my wide receivers here for some reason. Let me let me dig and see what I can uh, get into here from what I've learned on the receiver position for you when we come back. Plus, I want to give you, speaking of that, I've got my little recruiting notebook that I put together heading into tomorrow. I'm not a recruiting guy, not a recruiting guru, but uh, I'm able to get a few notes, a few tidbits here and there, and I think uh, I think we'll share them next. It's Josh, I'm Plank. We're live at OU. It's Plank Show. Right here on the home of Sooner fans. Uh, it's Sean on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. What happened to the wide receivers from last year's class who spent a year in the system and are BV guys? I'm told that's the answer to any question. Well, I listen, I think there's a lot of excitement over the potential of Jaden Gibson and, and Nick Anderson. I think they both have chances. Someone brought up on the Air Comfort Solutions text line, hey, what are the chances of J.J. Hester having a breakout season next year? He just he wasn't healthy this year. LV Bunkley Shelton is in the mix. So there's four dudes right there that were in that system for a year. But especially if Mims isn't coming back, which, again, I am i don't know why I'm overly confident that he will, and Drake Stoops in that mix too, then I want to have to kind of dive in a little bit deeper to the portal or maybe find a few more guys coming in from the high school ranks. I have my notepad here of recruiting notes that I want to get to. Now, I, I promised him after the break, but on Tuesdays, we talked to Coach K.J. Kindler. So let's talk up uh, some women's gymnastics, and we'll get more in-depth on recruiting. K.J. typically in studio. It's a holiday week, though. She's crazy busy. Coach, welcome to the show. How's your Tuesday treating you so far? Great, thank you. Hey, um, all right, it, question more than anything else. What are um, kind of your – what's your mindset? What's your plan over the holidays? Do you just let them go for a little bit? Are you in contact? How do you kind of handle Christmas and, and Hanukkah or the, the holidays, whatever anyone celebrates, to let these student-athletes get their family time? And then in that same vein, you're prepping for a season two. What's that balance like? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I think um, especially wrap finals weekend with all of that. And uh, you have a pretty – crazy time of year um not just the stress but then also the excitement of seeing their family again and we do give them a break they get um they go home on the 22nd and they return on the 26th it's not long but um it's definitely a good amount of time to spend with their family i know a lot of sports don't get to go home at all so um it's it's a great opportunity for them certainly you know we have a meet really quickly after the break and so we do have to keep them kind of on task while they're gone but um, they do a, a remarkable job they know what it takes to 
to be ready for that first meet, and um, they do what it takes at home too. So what mode are you in right now, Coach? Are you still in uh, working on some floor routines, or are you getting to mom for a couple of days here with, uh, with Christmas coming up? What mode is K.J. Kindler in? Well, we have two more practices, so I'm still on, you know, uh, <laughs> get, as far, get as far ahead as we can in those two days um, before they head home. So that's where my head's at. And then, of course, checking the weather, you know, in Minnesota because <laughs> we're going to go there for a couple days and uh, there's some tragic winter weather coming their way, I think. So, you know, getting some boots for the kids and, and some winter jackets because uh, we just don't have a lot of that. <laughs> I was going to say, man, you're going to be super busy as far as that uh, that is concerned. All right, uh, we had the the scrimmage last Friday. We had a chance to talk about it on Tuesday. How have you seen some of your uh, your athletes respond since then? You know, you you talked about your freshmen and how you know you've seen the, kind of that gamer mentality in them, which is really good. They've had a week to be able to learn from some things that they saw at this at, at, and, and worked through at the scrimmage. How have you seen this squad respond to it? Well, you know, they've, I think they've really taken what, what happened that night and learned from it. Um, it's definitely kind of pushed some people's buttons. They know um, those little details can really make a difference in their score. So I always think that that meet is just very motivating and, and causes them to, you know, take some initiative in making some changes that they have to make or it sees where they see where the team might be a little weak and where they could definitely help out. So, I think um, it's always a learning experience, and, and everyone responds really well to it. Um, like you said, I do think getting through the holidays and, and getting them home for some family time is, is equally as important for their mental health. So um, I'm excited for when they come back and, and we get to get started. You know, I um, I put together a piece. I did a, a preview piece for the Boyd Street Magazine. We sit in and we talk every single Tuesday, and right, we only get so much time, and I feel like – I feel like there's always one or two athletes, one or two of your performers that I don't talk enough about. And I, I don't think I ever talk enough about Ali Stern, Coach. And not just, you know, here's someone who is taking advantage of that COVID year. She's been incredibly consistent. She has an incredible story. She was an All-American on the vault last year, third in the NCAA championships. And I was going through and just writing a little piece about your seniors. And, yeah, Olivia Troutman gets a lot of talk because she's Olivia Troutman. I feel like, and, and maybe this is a me thing, I feel like Allie doesn't usually get some of the respect she deserves. Or at least maybe the term should be some of the coverage and talk and buzz that she deserves. Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. I think um, Allie's been someone who has really been a leader in and out of the gym for our team. Um, she makes great decisions. Uh, she's a team player. She is somebody who continually works to get in lineups, even when she's not, you know, perhaps the one out there competing. But she knows she, she's been here four years. She understands that anything can happen at any time where we we might need her. And she she takes it upon herself and is responsible for being ready on those events. I think, um, for instance, last year at the NCAA championships in that semifinal round, we started on vault. We were the first team in the first session. It was the first routine of the entire championship. And she stuck her vault and ended up taking third place, which is absolutely insane because it was the first routine in the first session. It's hard to explain, but for to have that many people not be able to overcome your score, I can't imagine what would have happened if she was the 
the last routine in the last session. You know, I mean, I can't right. help but think, hmm, what would her score have been? <laughs> and would she have been on top of the podium? I mean, that's how good it was. And she got the team off to this remarkable start. And and you know what's so selfless about Allie? We, we pushed her back in the lineup for inner squad. We were thinking we, we wanted her to go fourth or fifth. She has all this experience. She's really um, dependable. And she came to Lou and said, no, I want to be first. I like that position. I like starting the team off, you know, really well. That's my spot. Can I go first? <laughs> That's <laughs> so awesome. That just gives you a great example of of uh, how selfless she is. I uh, then one more coach. I mentioned the freshman who maybe you saw something more in the meet than maybe you had at practice. Was that a good signal for Ava Sigfeld to kind of I don't know. I'm not going to say focus more because I'm not there. I don't know. But inner preparation, maybe uh, ramp up some things, adjust some things to where it's like, okay, the lights come on, you can see it. But you also have to see that in practice, too, to to have that faith in it, right? Yes. And Ava's someone we haven't been talking about enough. She definitely – I think we're going to see her on beam and vault consistently and possibly bars. She's, like, really inching her way in there. Um, This is someone who was at Olympic trials. She was coming off an injury um, in January before coming here. So she did spend a lot of time before arriving rehabbing that injury and getting getting back in the swing of things. But now she is doing much better with her health. Her body's feeling better. And what I love to see at the inner squad was she was very competitive. The competitor in her came out. And so we we didn't know how that would work. And And when we saw it, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. And I think definitely we're going to see a lot of her this season. Coach, um, have a great Christmas. Enjoy. Be safe traveling to Minnesota. I hope you don't get snowed in or iced in up there. And we'll talk to you again next week. Thanks. Thanks. You have a wonderful holiday. All right, Coach. We'll see you. That's KJ Kindler. KJ Kindler. All right, quick break. Um, But but before we get there, I want to have – with signing day tomorrow, every single segment have a recruiting nugget in some way, shape, or form for you. And I think in all of us, we have our allegiances, right? I'm a Raiders fan, so I, I love to get after a Chief fan, but I really can't because they kick our ass. Every, sorry, sorry, language. Gosh, I'm working on this in 22. They smoke us every single year. I work on this in 22, Josh, whenever there's 11 days left in 2022. I'm st- still going to be an issue. I'm sorry. Work I'm in progress. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, so I like to gig Chiefs fans, even though I know they smoke us. And the college ranks, it's a little bit more, I think, severe and serious, right? People take these things very personally. But I thought this was interesting from Anwar Richardson that just tweeted this moments ago. I like Anwar. Um, he's been on the show. I, I, I almost close enough to say friend of the show, but he's a Texas guy. We're Oklahoma. He tweeted this, and, and it kind of resonated with me. Said, I enjoy messing with Oklahoma fans, but out of fairness, Brent Venables is about to pull off a top 10 recruiting class where I didn't think was possible after the Texas loss. And honestly, some didn't think was possible ever. In the current rival rankings, Oklahoma is ninth. Ninth. They are one of just two teams that had a 500 or worse record in the top 10. The other one is Miami. And they're just paying everyone. The top ten currently has Bama number one, followed by Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Texas. Miami, LSU, Clemson, OU, and Tennessee round out the top ten. Absolutely, absolutely incredible. After the season they had, 
So, little kudos there from south of the Red River. Take a time out. We'll come back. Start getting to some of my, my crew notes for you next right here on The Ref. So, let me give you some of these notes I have on O-Line Recruiting. Welcome back into the Plank Show right here on The Ref. This is uh, These are notes that I have procured. I'm not trying to say that they're um, overly insightful, but just a couple of things to – in listening to our – I have a little notebook that I keep in my car, and I'll hear Parker or Steelman or Parker and Tyler or, or Teddy say something. I'll keep my little notes. So, really, I think I think the easiest position to talk about is, is O-line just because it seems so set and established, right? Bill Beanbow's going up, sign four offensive linemen. What you know, Caden Green's going to be an early enrollee, already in the mix at least Summit, Missouri. Uh, Heath Ozeda, he's uh, – um, maybe a, a little bit. You've got two developmental guys on this class, right? And I, I think that's the interesting thing. Heath Ozeda and Logan Howland. I, I, I think I think Ozeda's mom is the diehard Sooner fan. I think she grew up an Oklahoma fan. And um, so it was kind of an easy, easy. And I met Heath. He happened to be on his official and was going by introducing himself to everyone. It was awesome. It was one of the coolest things I've ever seen. He's like, hey, I'm Heath. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come play football at Oklahoma. It's like, nice to meet you. <laughs> um, Logan Howland is an interesting case study. He's the kid out of Westfield, New Jersey. Um, is basically in his first years playing the offensive line. So it kind of gives you an idea about kind of what they see in the potential development of Logan Howland in that here is a guy that at 6'7", 280 has just started playing O-line. So it'll be developmental there. But Joshua Bates to me, and I know we got 30 seconds, is the guy to keep an eye on. Joshua Bates out of Durango, Colorado is a legit center. You know, you don't always put your best offensive lineman at center, but that's what he's played. And some think he's got a chance to factor in relatively early, especially with Andrew Rame's injury. Katie Greed, Heath Ozeda, Joshua Bates, Logan Howland. A couple little tidbits on the guys coming in at the O-line. It's a plank show.